Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. All right, we're continuing our great adventure in the book of Exodus. We have finished Genesis. It only took us three years. <laughs> Exodus will not take us that long. But during that time of fasting and praying, I want to ask you a question again. Do you know God? I want you to think about that for a minute. Do you personally know God? You see, when you have a personal name, it means you want to know somebody. Is that true? And in our text this morning, God, for the first time in the Bible, reveals his name. And folks, I got to tell you, his name is not God. Do you know that? Do you know his name is not Father? It's not Elohim? It's not Jehovah? No J sound in Hebrew, remember? Hallelujah, not Jah. That'd be funny saying hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> oh, my Lord, have mercy. So today, if I was going to entitle it, it would be the God who cares for you. Do you know that God cares for you and he desires that you know him intimately? God wants to know you. He cares about your life. He cares about every little thing that you go through. When you include God in your life, he's going to go before you. Do you know that? Have you experienced that, old saints of God? When you include God, when you seek him first in your life, he goes before you. He encourages you. He strengthens you. He helps you live life. I really believe that God has an incredible message for us today. Moses didn't want to go to Egypt. Do you remember that? Way back, God called him at the burning bush. You remember the story. And what did Moses say after that call? He said, dude, I can't speak. I can't lead You've got the wrong guy. Pick someone else. I don't want to go to Egypt and set your people free and talk to Pharaoh. No way. Pharaoh didn't want to do it, but God convinced him to go. What happened when he went? We read it last week. Oh, man, Pharaoh didn't want anything to do with it. Pharaoh was not going to let God's people go. He didn't listen to Moses, not one bit. Didn't go well at all. So Moses, now in our text, is questioning God. Why don't we turn there? Exodus chapter 6. And we're going to actually go back two verses to Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. And notice what Moses did. He said this, Then Moses returned to the Lord. This is after he went to Pharaoh and said, Hey, Pharaoh, God wants his people to be set free. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Oh, ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. You ever question God? Am I the only one that questions God? You know, sometimes I get sick, and I'm sick, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, Lord, why did you let me get sick? I could be doing so much for your kingdom. Oh, Lord, and then I ask for healing. And 10 days later, I'm just getting over it. Lord, why didn't you heal me? You ever question God? Some of the questions I have asked God throughout my life, it's pretty interesting. I'll, I'll tell you what they are. Why didn't I get that job? You ever ask that question? 
Lord, I knew this was your will. I knew this was your plan. Why didn't I get it? I, I guess I didn't know. I really didn't know. You know, your plans aren't always God's plans. Do you know that? That he knows better than you? How about this one? Why didn't you heal me? You know, every trial you go through, the book of James tells us that, man, it's for your growth, right? It's to grow you and strengthen you. And God, by the way, and we're going to read it later in the Psalms, says, hey, I'm not going to remove you from the trials of life. As a Christian, you're still going to go through trials, but guess what? I'm going to hold you through that time. I'm going to be with you. How about this one? Why do I feel so ugly? Now, most of you all look in the mirror and don't ask that question ever. But for me, I'm like, why did you make me thus? You know what I mean? It's like, wow, man, I am so disproportionate. God, I, no matter what I do, I can try to work out. And Well, actually, if I worked out and fasted for about a year, then I might be <laughs> How about this one? Why do I feel so unloved? I want you guys to know that God loves you this morning. God loves you more than you will ever know. Why do I feel depressed? Why don't I have any real friends? Why do I feel unlovable? Why is life so hard? What are some other whys that you ask God? Or maybe even you question God's love for you. Lord Jesus, do you really love me? And I feel you so much. I feel you all the time. How can you love me? And he says, man, I paid for that. On the cross, I paid for that. I love you more than you could ever know. Do you really have a plan for my life? Or is life just a series of misfortunate events that finally ends with death? Folks, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has a plan for your life. A wonderful plan you can't even imagine. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 61. I love the prophet Isaiah. He has some really cool stuff, doesn't he? And you know it's called the mini Bible, right? The book of Isaiah. It's a mini Bible. How many chapters are in Isaiah? 66, right? How many books are in the Bible? 66 books. And Isaiah covers all the important things. I want to tell you something, God, or guys, right now. You know, a lot of people think this Bible has been copied and changed and revised. Do you know that, that people believe that? Do we have proof that that's not the case? Absolutely. Every manuscript that we find in archaeology establishes this book has never been changed. No one edited it. No one changed it. It has come to us complete. In the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948, how many of you guys know about the Dead Sea Scrolls? Okay, they found all these scrolls in a cave in Israel. One of the scrolls they found, they found almost every book of the Old Testament, but one of them fully intact was the scroll of Isaiah. It was a thousand years older than the manuscript that we had for Isaiah. Guess what they found? In fact, all the books of the Old Testament. There was no changes. There was no editing. They were solid. They were sure. There was like 0.021% errors between these manuscripts and the manuscripts that we have in our Bible. Isn't that good that God preserved his word? You can trust the word of God. It is complete. Isaiah 61, starting at verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Do you do that? 
You know, this is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. You know that. But it applies to us because we are, the Bible says, Christ's hands and feet extended to a lost and hurting world. Do you bring good news to the afflicted? Keep going. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you bind up brokenhearted people? Do you try to comfort them? Do you put your arm around them and hold them and tell them God loves them? To proclaim liberty to the captives. There's only true liberty in who? Jesus Christ. Outside of that, guess what? If you don't have Christ this morning, you are under the law. Do you know that? You are obliged to keep the law. But if you have Jesus Christ, guess what? Oh, man. Oh, the law of sin and death has no power over you. You have true freedom in Christ and liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes. And here's what God does for you. And the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting, so that you, child of God, will be called an oak of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Skip down to verse 10. Oh, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me in the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with garland, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes things sown to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Do you know God wants to replace your mourning with gladness? Turn your ashes into what did it say? a garland, or whatever that was. Skip over to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. I love the book of Isaiah because it reveals the character of God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I need the strength of the Lord. <laughs> you know, because we still have to keep up with the young, young kids. You know that. You know, we've got to run as fast as they do. And yesterday, it's really interesting. We were walking our dogs. And um, <laughs> you ever seen a, a mama bear try to protect her cubs? You guys ever seen that? Okay, it's, it's pretty wild, right? So we're walking. I've got to almost demonstrate what happened. So Cheryl and I are walking. Uh, Roxy was lagging behind. Cheryl was up with our other little puppy. So I'm trying to get Roxy. All of a sudden, I hear screaming, right? Okay. Uh, Pitbull attacked our little dog, had it in its mouth. Guess what Cheryl did? Jumped on the pit bull. <laughs> Cheryl jumped on the pit bull on the ground, 
fighting the pit bull off of our dog. I come running up. Um, I'm trying to get between her and the pit bull, and our dog runs off, and the pit bull chased it. But luckily, it, it got to our house. So anyway, man, you, you got to talk to Cheryl about She is a heroist. You know, it's like all I know what I've learned in marriage, do not cross your wife. I, you know, I've been tackled just once. Well, maybe a couple of times. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. With how much? Is that important? You see, because if you doubt God, have you ever been in a relationship and someone doubted you? Have you ever been there? They didn't trust you. They didn't have faith in you. And you had done nothing to deserve that, but they misplaced their trust. They really didn't trust you. It really hurts. You see, God, the creator of the universe, almighty, he knows you by name. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. You can trust God. I love this. Lean not on your own understanding because oftentimes we are so, I'll I'll just say it flat out, stupid. You know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Oh, that's the provisional promise. Do you know every promise in the Bible is provisional? Do you know that? There's, there's a part that God does and there's a part that you do. Now here it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Everything you do, acknowledge God. Lord, thank you for my car. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my friends. Lord, thank you that I'm getting older and I have to wear reading glasses. I'm really not thankful about that. But uh, I mean, maybe it makes me look smarter, you know, (laughs) or dumber. I don't know. Lord, thank you in all your ways and he will direct your path. Psalm 62, verse 5, my soul awaits silently for God alone. Got to ask you a question this morning. Do you yearn for God more than you yearn for anything else? Is he the passion of your life to know God? There is nothing more important in life than to know God. And more importantly, for him to know you. Verse 6, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge to us. Psalm 139, 1 through 6 says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, continuing on there. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. What does that mean? You ever, yeah, you ever pray that prayer, Lord, put a hedge of protection around him. It is a military term. It's kind of like, man, put walls of protection around me, Lord, not walls to close me in, but to protect me from the enemies and those that would seek to harm me. You've hedged me from behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Oh, it's high. Man, I can't even fathom it. I can't even comprehend how much you love me, God. Oh, but it's such a great truth. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. But now, thus says the Lord. You know, anytime you see Lord in all capitals, what does that mean? It's God's name. 
That's his personal name. They should not have translated that Lord. I don't know why they did. And the Hebrew, it, uh, or in the Greek, yeah, Hebrew, it's Adonai. They shouldn't have done it because this is the name of God. Don't you think it's important that we know God's name? When you know someone personally, don't one of the first things you do, hey, my name is Brett. God introduced himself. And in our text, in a second, we're going to get there to know God's name. Oh, he formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. You remember this verse? I've what? Called you by name. You are mine, says the Lord. When you pass through the waters, oh, guess what? What does it say? I'll be with you. It doesn't say, man, I'm going to keep you from the floods and trials of life and the storms of life. It says, when you go through them, guess what? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to hold you through those storms. I'm going to hold you through those times. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Exodus 6.1. Let's get into the text again. We finally made it to uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And we're almost halfway done with the sermon. Hey, we might even finish three verses today in Exodus. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, three verses. Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses. Okay, now remember, we already read it. Chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Moses was doing what? Why, God? Man, you told me to go. Why? Why? <laughs> you didn't deliver your people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion, literally in the Hebrew, it's two words, and it means strong arm. Anyone have King James? No? Okay. Anyway, it, it literally means strong arms. He will let them go, and under strong arms, he will drive them out of his land. Do you think Moses should have known that promise? Skip back, if you would, to Exodus chapter 3, verse 19. God already told Moses that Pharaoh would not let his people go. And in Exodus 3, 19, God says, But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go, except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all miracles which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. Do you think God told Moses and prepared him that, guess what? The first time you go to Pharaoh, he's not going to let the people go. Did God tell him that? Absolutely. Isn't it funny that even though God forewarned Moses, man, you're going to appear before Pharaoh. You're going to say, let my people go. And what's Pharaoh going to do? Not let your people go. Yet still Moses complained. Man, how come you didn't let him go? Well, God had already told him. Man, I'm, I'm, Pharaoh's not going to let the people go. Verse 3, And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. Who remembers what the Hebrew for that is? El Shaddai. You know that song, that Christian song, you ever sing it? El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Kankona Adonai. I revealed myself to the people of the past, God is saying, as El Shaddai. But, oh, get this, by my name, 
Lord, no, that's not his name. By my name, YHWH. This is the Tetragrammaton. More than likely, God's name is pronounced what? Yahweh. 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 Something like that, right? So literally, this is the name of God, and it puzzles me why the translators replaced it with Lord. Folks, I got to tell you, every time you see Lord, all caps in your Bible, this is God's name. It's Yahweh. I think it's important to know his name. I did not make myself known to them. Skip back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. We already know that at the burning bush, Moses asked in verse 13, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That's Aye Asher Aye in the Hebrew and it literally is a portion of God's name. The ye in that is part of the um, tetragrammaton, which becomes literally the name of God. What does it mean? Go back to our text, Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. Do you know there's a lot of gods called El back during this time? The Canaanite God was called El. He was a pagan God. Do you know there's pagan gods that are called God? Do you know that? What's the name of the one true God? Yahweh. Yahweh. That's his name. That's what he revealed. Yahweh means what? I am. You see, God revealed part of it to Moses back then. But here he revealed his full name. God reassured that Moses would deliver him. Moses should have known it. How many of you know the promises of God? Do you know him? Do you think God is good to his name? Do you think God the Father has a name? Yes, it's Yahweh. Second <laughs> Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4 through four says, Seeing that his divine power, speaking of Yahweh's power, has granted everything pertaining to what? It's up there. Life and godliness. If you're lacking anything in life or in your character of who you are, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, God will provide you what you need. All you have to do is turn to him. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises in order that by them we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world by lust. I really believe that it's interesting that God made this promise to us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, If you seek first God, His kingdom, and His righteousness in your life, if that's your first priority in life, what, is, what does this promise say? All your needs are going to be met. You know, every time I see someone begging on the side of the road, I will usually try to stop and talk to them, figure out how they got there. 
if they say they're a Christian, I really wonder, because even in the Old Testament, it says, I've never seen what? The righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. So I wonder, if you claim to be a Christian, how in the world did you end up living on the street begging for bread? Because you see, the God I serve, I know when you seek him first, all your needs are going to be met. You're not going to have to beg on the street. God will meet your needs. This is a provisional promise that's true. I've seen it happen in my own life. Man, the years of my life I sought first God, everything came to me. All my needs were met, no matter what. The years I pursued my own path, guess what? Man, I struggled. Couldn't pay my bills. I worried about money. It's a provisional promise. Note this. Many people are just like Pharaoh. Last week, this was really the the crux of the sermon because we went over Exodus chapter 5 and where Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Well, this morning, God really wants you to know him. Maybe you've asked that question, who is God really? Yeah, I know, yeah, there's the divine, you know, God up there somewhere, but man, he's too far for me to reach. I really can't know God, but the Bible really says something else. Do you know his name? Now we do. Man, he just revealed it to Moses. What is it? Yahweh. Yahweh. Every breath you take utters the name of God. Right? Can you kind of hear the... Oh, I said it that time. (laughs) Did I? No, that's just breathing. (laughs) Every breath you take declares that God created you. He is the sustainer of you. Your life is in his hands. You can trust him with everything. God tells mankind his name for the first time. Life is all about getting to know God. If you have any other greater pursuit in your life, you will find misery, you will find heartache, you will find failure. You'll find depression, anxiety, worry, stress. You'll find all the negative things of life. But if your number one pursuit in life is knowing God, you will be blessed. How do we know God? General revelation. Let's talk a little theology. Do you know that all nature, science, and all of his creation that we enjoy, as we enjoy it, It's revealing the creator of the universe, the divine architect. You know, any honest scientist, and there is a lot, come to believe that there is an intelligent designer. Why? Because of irreducible complexity. Because systems that are so irreducibly complex from the entire universe to the ecosystem to the little flagellum motor in a bacteria are irreducibly complex. How about special revelation? Hey, folks, that's why we study this book. This is God's word. This is God's revelation of who he is. The character of God can be found in here. Oh, folks, it's not going to be found in simple catechisms unless they simply quote scripture, because then you're going to find a great revelation of God. There's some good catechisms, no doubt. It's not going to be found in man's dogma or religion, you're not going to find God in religion. I'm sorry. You might be able to learn how to 
do all these righteous things, but you will find God in here. Not only by the Bible, by studying, but by prayer. Folks, why is prayer important? Do you know that you can't have a real relationship without communicating? You ever try to have a relationship with someone and you never talked? Or the only time you talked, it's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, God, help me today. Hey, God, thanks for my food. The extent of many Christians' prayer life is simply that. Folks, you're never going to get to know God like that. Man, we need to be people that desire to communicate with our Father through Jesus Christ and through worship. Man, I don't know about you, but it's times of passionate, incredible, spirit-filled worship that I feel connected to God completely. It's some of the most glorious times in my life, yet many don't want to know him, and knowing God is the most important thing in life. We are called to know him. Jeremiah chapter 9. Did I say verse 24 through 24? (laughs) That's really interesting. Uh, This is what the Lord says. Let not the, I, I think I did this about 4.30 this morning, this particular verse, so excuse me. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this. What does the red letter say up there? That he understands. Who's speaking? Go up to that first little line in the sentence. See that all capital Lord up there? Boy, that's God himself. That's God the Father. That's Yahweh. That he understands and knows me, that I am, the is not there, Yahweh. That's my name. Who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth. For all, for in these I delight, declares Yahweh. Jesus said this, John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, speaking of Yahweh, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Does Jesus have a different name than the Father? Personal name? Yeah, we're going to get to that. 1 John five nineteen says, We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Second Peter 1, 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Yeshua, Jesus our Lord. Think it's important to know God? You know you have direct access to God through who? Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 says, Seeing that His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We read that verse. I had to put it in context. Oh, so that you might know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 2, 3 says, For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of Yahweh 
and discover the knowledge of God. For I delight in loyalty, says God, more than sacrifice, in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Think it's important to know God? That knowledge has the idea of experiential knowledge. Do you know in the Hebrew, when they said, I know my wife, same word here, guess, that, that's the intimacy of what happens in the marriage bed. It is an experiential, intimate knowledge. It is knowing him intimately. And yet so many Christians are so far from God, they can't say, man, I know. He's my dad. He's my heavenly father. I love him. I run to him when I have pain and when I hurt. Romans chapter 11 verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and unfathomable his ways. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against what? The knowledge of God, knowing God, epigonosco, experientially. And we are taking every thought captive to obedience of Christ. Colossians 1.10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in what? The knowledge of God, knowing God. Folks, we don't do our devotions in the morning as a religious duty to try to earn God's blessing for the day. Well, God, I read two chapters in your Bible today. Thus, you must bless me. God, I prayed for 15 minutes today on my knees, and that hurt. So you got to bless me today. No, we read to get to know our Heavenly Father. I pray to get to know my Heavenly Father, to communicate with God, to communicate to our Lord Jesus Christ. God has a plan for you. You know this verse. I just got to throw it out there again. Jeremiah 29, 11. Is it a promise for us too? You know, God doesn't change. You know, whoever God's people are, whoever His precious children are, He's got a plan for them. And He knows the plans He has for you. Declares who? Oh, yeah, that's God's name. That's not Lord. Lord is a whole different name in, in the Hebrew. It's Adonai. When, that, when you see that, it'll be a capital L with small letters. L-O-R-D. That's Adonai. When it's all capitals, and the L might be big, but the, the other letters will still be capital, that's Yahweh. That's God's name. Plans for your welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. His first plan is for us to be saved and forgiven. I want to clear one thing up with everybody in this room. If you know Jesus Christ and believe in him, the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loves you that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever does what? Just believes has eternal life. So all we need to do is believe. That's trust. Do you trust Him? When you do that, you're redeemed. And 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, 
but with the precious blood of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. When you believe the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin, you are washed, you are clean. The Bible says you are pronounced just. Justified. What does that mean? Just as if I've never sinned. So know this. If you have guilt this morning, just run to the Lord. Lord, man, I'm a frail human creature. Whoa, deliver me from this body of iniquity, right? Man, I'm a sinner. Lord, cleanse me. Instantly you're cleansed, you're forgiven, you're washed, you're clean. You're pronounced just. Isn't that amazing? You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You ever uh, sing that song, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Saved by the Holy Ghost, I am. All my sins are washed away, I've been redeemed. And then you keep singing it and you do rounds. And this is way back in camp meeting days and stuff like that. <laughs> Philippians 4, we've got to go back to this verse. We're going to keep reading this verse till we have it memorized. Chapter six, uh, 4, verse 6, starting in verse 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. Verse 6. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts, your emotions, and your mind, your intellect, in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, meditate, dwell on these things. Man, I don't know about you, but when I am clean before the Lord, and I know I'm wretched, don't get me wrong. But when I run to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins and cleansing me of all unrighteousness. Man, Lord, I'm clean before you right now because I'm washed. It's like I just took a spiritual shower. You know, a lot of Christians are still spiritually stinky. You don't have to be. You can be washed and clean. White as snow, right? Worship team, come on up. Psalm 103.11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes what? Your sins from you. Boy, you can travel west all day, all year. You will never find the east. That means it is forgiven, it's forgotten. Oh my goodness gracious me, Yahweh. Wow, we didn't even get into the really cool study I had on Yahweh. We're going to have to finish this next week. Is that okay? And then we'll, uh, we'll get back in, into the rest of chapter 6 too until we get to the genealogy. Because I don't know about you, but genealogies, oh my Lord, have mercy. But we'll do it because there's some cool stuff. Uh, why don't we stand?
By the way, I've got some cool archaeological evidence uh, for the Exodus that I, I haven't really seen in a lot of research. I, in fact, I, I've only seen it in one place, but it's pretty cool. So next week you got to come back because you're going to get some cool proof of all this stuff that we're going to go through. Wow. I think I made it a third of the way through the message. Hallelujah. Let's go back to that. Remember, it's made up of two words. Hallelujah, be praised. And Yah, which is the short form of, guess what? God's name, Yahweh. Hallelujah means praise be to Yahweh. The name of God. Isn't it good to know God's name on a first name basis? I mean, is that cool or no? You know, it's not like Mr. President. But the coolest thing, not, not that we know his name, Yahweh, no, yeah, that's awesome. But he says, call me what? Father. Call me Dad. Man, I'm, I'm your loving Father. You don't have to address me by my name. There's a whole sacred name movement. You ever hear of it? Oh, yeah, in your Bible, rip out every place where it has Lord in all capitals and write Yahweh. That's wrong. It's sinful. It's, you know. Hey, yeah, we know his name. But more importantly than that, he's my dad. I don't call my dad Grant. Hey, Grant. If he did, he'd probably slap me. I call him dad. Hey, dad, I love you. That's an endearing relationship that we have with God himself. Wow. Wow. We're going to finish this next week. I am so excited. I cannot wait for next week. And I'm really excited because I can do more research to get some really cool stuff. So, huh? Oh, yeah, then we'll, then we'll be in it for like a year. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word. I love the way it comforts me, strengthens and restores my soul, satisfies my needs.